as you already know, as we talked about earlier, going away to Mexico for two weeks, something I'm sure you don't miss doing. Or that one time we went, we drove all the way over there, and for two weeks we just counted down the days to come back home. Good time. I don't remember much of it. I, I blocked it out of my memory, but yeah. I just remember my grandpa showed us his pistol. Do you remember that? He showed us the little pistol he had. That time, yeah, yeah. Where he said he, he robbed the bank. I don't know. Yeah, it was like a little unloaded, like a, I don't know, like a Soviet kind of like pistol or handgun or something. He showed it to us. Yeah, he had it. Un, he had it like uh, unloaded, and he like passed it to us. Like I don't remember that. Boy. Like here's my gun. He was he just he just randomly wanted to show us. We're like okay, that's cool, Gramps. I'm like all right, but uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm going this time. I'm going with my my wife to her family in Michoacan, a little further south from where we're where you and I are from, from uh, Jalisco. Well, I guess you are. You're also partly from Michoacan, right? Your mom, your dad's from there. Your mom's from Jalisco. Your dad's from Michoacan. So yeah, I'm not exactly where, but my mom's from Guadalajara for sure. Yeah, so we're gonna go to my wife's family, uh, spend two weeks over there. Her parents are are going on too, but they're spending a whole month there. They're spending four weeks, so we're gonna come back halfway through the trip. Uh, so you take. So you're taking your handheld. I'm taking my Switch. Bought a bunch of games on the eShop right now on sale. I picked up Vampire Survivors, one of my favorite games from last year. Uh, super addictive. I picked up um, Chain of Echoes, which was a JRPG that came out last year. I think I got something else on sale. What was the other thing? There's one more game I'm forgetting. It'll come back to me later. Anyways, so I, I loaded up. I got like a 526 gigabyte SD card for my Switch, so there's... Everything I've ever bought or owned or downloaded is on that Switch right now. So, it's cool. And um, I'm trying to see what else. I'm also taking my Miu Mini, which is, like, one of those, like, emulated handhelds. that has, like, uh, from Game Boy, from, like, Nintendo up to PS1 era. Uh, so, I'm going to take the memory card from my Switch and put it in the Miu Mini. So, that's another 250-something gigs of just ROMs, basically. So, there's no way... I will get bored hopefully, and he, and on my phone, my phone has like 100 gigabytes. I want to just download some. Um, apparently, you can download Netflix and like anime off Crunchyroll for like offline use. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna download a couple of series, maybe a couple like a season or two of something, and just have it ready there. So there's no way I could possibly be bored. Hopefully, what do you know that's specific to that place? Uh, I know we're gonna go. My wife said that we're gonna go to Guanajuato. I don't know if you've been there. That's the place where they have the mummies and the silver mines. It's an it's a state over, I think. Didn't we go there together? We did, yeah. yeah. It's the next state over. Yeah, I got a ton of photos. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's cool. A bunch of mummies, a bunch of uh, torture devices. It's like the very colonial looking like city. So we're going, we're going there. Uh, we're going to. I don't know if you went. I don't think you went with us that time, but we're going to. Uh, um, I can't remember the name of the place. Like bums me out. I can't remember the name of the place. Hanitsio. There you go. It's like a little island in the middle of a lake. Didn't go. In Michoacan. You didn't go with us that time. That's when we went with Josie and Jeremy. But anyways, yeah. So we're going to go see, visit her family. Apparently, we're not going to go anywhere after night because where she lives is prime, like, cartel country. So once the sun goes down, like, we're going going to stay indoors and hunker down and just not go outside. So we're only going out during the day and stuff. Wonderful uh, fallout. Like, shelter. shelter, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we're up to. Um Actually, after we're done here, later tonight, I have to... Uh, there's a new update for the Miu Mini where I can now play DS games. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to... I'm going to do the down... I'm going to update it and add some DS ROMs on there and stuff. So. Yeah, I'm right on time. Yeah, just in time. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. What are, you, what are, your, what are your plans? You're going to go eat some honeyed ham over there at Brian's or... I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I just got 
I just had to do some dental work, you know, been on meds. You seem better. You seem better. You're not aching or rolling over in pain. No, it's the first time where I, I don't feel like this ache, right? Mm-hmm. So Able to sleep clearly? I've slept better. I just still wake up like kind of groggy, you know, like not my balance isn't quite right. I don't know what that's about. Maybe just because I haven't exercised or something. But uh, uh, Christmas is like, um, how far are we? It's like the 22nd today. Mm, yeah. Yes. 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 It is. Yeah. So I'm. I gotta figure out if I'm gonna end up doing anything. <coughs> so no, nothing definitive. Is Christmas Tuesday or Monday? I don't know. I think it's Tuesday because Christmas Eve is Monday. I thought it was like the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Yeah. Twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth. Twenty fourth. That's Christmas Eve. Yeah. The proper Christmas is the twenty fifth. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. It is. Oh, is it? Okay. All right. There you go. So I'll be spending Christmas at the airport, basically. <laughs> so that's how it is. Anyways. So yeah. So yeah, this is obviously gonna be this is gonna be our last episode. I think I'll have it go live Monday, right before I leave. Uh, if not, I'll do it like earlier the date the night before. But by the time you listen to this, I probably will already be at the airport anyway. So uh, we're gonna be gone for about two weeks. So don't expect an episode in those two weeks. Uh, Enjoy your time with your family, your vacation time, and we'll come back refreshed in January to talk more about video games. But speaking of video games, Johnny, let's see what our stories are for this Wait, week. don't we have a what? mail? What? What? Don't what? Have what? Mail? Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. You threw me off. Yes, we do. We have... Um, so I actually put the... I put the call out very late for... Because I, I published this episode last week's episode kind of late. But uh, we did get a – we have a friend of the show, Miko, wrote in uh, to share his Christmas memories, which I guess Johnny and I will also do so right, right after that. Uh, here's uh, Miko, what Miko wrote to us. He says, one of my favorite video game holiday memories was when I had my surgery. I don't know what kind of surgery it was, but he had a surgery. It says, during that time, Assassin's Creed 3 and Halo 4 were the newer games during the holidays in 2012. It was definitely cold, so when I was at home recovering, I had the window open while playing AC3, and it felt so surreal as I was playing in a memory that took place in the snow. When Halo 4 came out, I was still in recovery, and I couldn't drive comfortably. Thankfully, one of my closest friends at the time was nice enough to drive me to GameStop to get it with him. I spent the entire time in recovery playing those games, especially since I was riding off the Assassin's Creed high playing through AC1, through AC Revelations. So yeah, 2012. I'm trying to remember where I was in 2012. I remember I remember Assassin's Creed 3 coming out. That was back then when I would buy them around Black Friday because it was always like cheaper back then. I think they still are, but not as much. Nah, not this year. Um, that's a nice memory. It, I like the... I relate to the whole like when you're playing a cold game and you're also cold at the same time. Like It feels like very submersive. Or it feels very immersive, I mean. Uh, I remember, I'm trying to remember what, I did the opposite, where I wanted it, where I was, I was cold, but I was, like, somewhere hot in a video game, and it kind of helped to keep my mind off how cold I was, like, in reverse. I can't remember what game it was. I think it was one of the Final Fantasy games. It was, like, a volcano or, like, a fire region you explore. I remember feeling like, it's kind of, like, you know, like, when people, you know, like you go to family gatherings, and they turn on the TV to that channel with the fire crackling? Mm, yeah. It's, like, it's not an actual fire, but even just seeing it somehow makes your, it's like a placebo, right? You feel warmer watching the flames. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for nah. you? 
I feel like when they do that, they change the giant TV, whatever TV it is, to just a. Uh, I don't know if it's a YouTube video or what, but it's just a fire crackling. And like, I just feel warmer just like, just looking at it. I don't know. Maybe it's the heat from the TV, like the energy it's giving off. But, um, so yeah, that's, uh, I can relate to that. John, I want you to share your, uh, while we're on the topic, holiday, video, favorite video game, holiday memories. Um, I mean, the only one I could think of is, I brought it up before. It's the one where <coughs> I was a little kid and then somehow, my brother convinced my parents to get a a PlayStation and I wanted to end 64 I think it was yeah yeah so I mean we're kind of just sitting there and I'm looking and he's got the TV on the on the dresser and then he plugs it all in and he starts it up and he's playing Crash Bandicoot and I'm pissed off I'm crying <laughs> and I looked at the game and I'm like this shit is amazing and I got to try it and then after that moment I became a PlayStation fan for the rest of my life. There's a, I there's was a, converted. There's only a few moments in your life that really shape who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah, that was a moment. And that, that was that's what we call a core memory right there. Uh, a core memory, core part of like your personality, I guess you could say. Uh, one of my favorite ones for me, it was, I want to say it was 2000, and it was right between. It wasn't on a holiday, but it was right between Christmas and between New Year's. Mm-hmm. So, like, that week in between, uh, I wanted Pokemon Gold for Game Boy. And my dad didn't get it to me in time for Christmas, but he got it for me, uh, I think, two days or a day before New Year's. And I remember that because we went to my grandma Gloria's apartment over there in, um, what's that place, Northridge? No. It was in, it was in Norway. Where did she live? The apartment. You guys lived there, It was, there like, too? North Hollywood. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, I was that wasn't in the valley. No, that's not San the valley. Fernando Valley. Does that count as the valley? Anyway, so well, you know where I'm talking about. Where she lived in the apartments before. It was north. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, my dad got me Pokemon Gold. Uh, I think the day a day or two before New Year's, and I thought like, oh, I didn't get it for Christmas. How did he know you wanted that? Because I told him. Okay. I told him, but I didn't get it for Christmas. I forgot why. I think it was just sold out. And I was bummed, so I'm like, oh, man, I'm probably going to have to wait till like, my birthday to get it now or next Christmas. But no, I got it, like, later that week. And I remember I, I told my mom, like, I need the fresh new batteries for my Game Boy because that was back when, you know, you had to buy the batteries to keep your Game Boy going. You didn't, you didn't have rechargeable batteries. And uh, I remember that was my favorite memories was spending that entire um, New Year's weekend just playing Pokemon Gold. I remember getting so far in the game in like just two or three days and uh and that's that's about it but i remember like that was like one of my happiest memories is playing that game at gloria's apartment and everybody's like you know celebrating drinking or whatever and i'm in like in the bedroom just playing on my game boy and just having a really great time i think i remember i saw Giovanna too Giovanna came by i think our cousin our cousin my cousin Giovanna, and uh i was like oh like i got this pokemon game and well, she had Pokemon Yellow also, so she's like, "Oh, that's a new one." I, I'm, I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing a lot of it, obviously, but like when when we were over at your weddings, um, we, we were discussing games, right, for a brief amount of time, and then somebody mentioned that like you're supposed to be religious, and you're like, "Oh, religion doesn't allow us to take gifts." And Caesar was like, "He didn't complain when I got him all those games." I yeah. thought that was super funny because yeah. that's true. My friend Omar too, the one, the big guy at the wedding. You, I don't even remember. He sat across from y'all. Yeah. Right? He uh he's like Andy like I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to do his voice impression, 
He's like, Andy's like, what if I get, what if I accidentally get you something? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, like, I don't know more. Like, I'm like, as long as you're okay with me not getting you something back. And he's like, that's okay. I'm like, all right. You're like all coy with your feet crossed. And- <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know more. That's up to know. you. That's up to you. But like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to send gifts and partake in all that stuff. So and he's like, okay. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's my memory, your memory, Miko's memory. Thank you, Miko, for writing in. Um, let's get to our, our stories now. We actually have some stories to get into. And we have two of some consequence, not too much consequence, but some consequence. Uh, Johnny sometimes sends me the stories leading up to the podcast. So let's get into this one. This one comes from Video Games Chronicle, a.k.a. VGC. Uh, let's see, is this going to be Andy Robinson? No, it's Chris Scolian. It says, <clears throat> Insomniac Hacker releases more than 1.3 million stolen files, including unannounced games info. The hacking group threatened to publish the files a week ago if they weren't paid. A ransomware group that claimed to have successfully hacked Insomniac Games has now leaked the vast majority of its stolen files. Last week, ransomware group Resida, Resida? I think it's Resida. Threatened to expose sensitive data about the company, its employees, and its upcoming games if it wasn't paid for the data. It then it then published data online which appeared to corroborate its claim that it had successfully hacked the Sony-owned studio, including an annotated screenshot from Insomniac's upcoming Wolverine game. The group then threatened to publish the stolen data within seven days, but first offered it for auction with a starting price of 50, 50 bitcoins, or approximately $2 million. Now, according to Cyber Daily, Reseda has followed through with its threat and posted more than 1.3 million files, totaling 1.67 terabytes to its darknet leak site. Around 98% of the hacked data has been leaked, with Reseda stating that not sold data was uploaded, implying that the remaining 2% may have been sold to someone. Hmm. People have already started downloading and sifting through the files, which appear to include a host of information and assets for the upcoming Wolverine game, a publishing agreement with Marvel that promises future games and internal and internal HR documents. <coughs> the stolen documents also include information on unannounced games stretching as far ahead as 10 years. Reseda's initial threat last week appeared to include evidence that it had acquired employee passport scans, a personal document related to Spider-Man voice actor Yuri Lowenthal, internet emails and confidential documents it's not yet clear how much of this confidential information has been included in the hack nor is it clear if any of it was part of the section that may have been sold on to another party this story is evolving and vgc will continue to report on it as more information emerges all right johnny so probably the biggest story of the week right before you know the holidays hit Basically, the news starts to die down right about now, video game-wise. Publishers, developers, PR, HR, everyone kind of just goes away for about a week or two. But then we got hit with this massive bit of news earlier this week. Um, Insomniac is in shambles. Clearly, they didn't pay up the $2 million, which seems kind of low when you think about it for a company that big. Like, $2 million is like, I don't know, that's like three employees' salaries, maybe? Maybe four employees' salaries? I mean, a major game costs like 120 yeah like the last of us cost 120 exactly and i think it came out that they, i think i mean, i don't have the information here but that the development for spider-man 2 was very expensive so uh 
they probably could have shelved. Maybe they just didn't want to give in to I me. Mean, it's like the you know like the U.S. policy. We like we don't negotiate with terrorists or oh, something. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So like we don't negotiate with ransomware hackers or something. Uh. So yeah, yeah. A lot of information came out. Was there anything that you thought was very interesting that kind of stuck out to you about the hacks? I know we saw obviously Wolverine footage. Um, well, what did you see? Because I sent you the link and it has. I don't know if you went into the link, but the link is crazy as hell, dude. Um. Uh, I I think the Venom one, the Venom spinoff was obvious because they had talked about how Insomniac was very upfront about like, hey, if people want a Venom game, like we'll do a Venom game. And so like, it looks like they have already, they had started development on a Venom game. Yeah. So the Venom game. That's, I called... would, I mean, I guess that's a leak, but that's kind of like a, it's like when Ubisoft at, takes those surveys and asks people like, what do you want to see in the next Assassin's Creed game? And like, the few choices are all obvious ones of like what they're going to do next anyways, kind of like leading you on kind of like a, like a soft, like a warm reading. Yeah. So this is called a venom lethal protector. <coughs> I don't know if that's, um, I think I that's the name of a comic. Yeah. I think it's, it's like a plot or I don't know if that lethal protector is just like the name of venom. I don't know. I think I it's, the mi- I think it's it, a but... mini series. I could be wrong. Cause I've heard that name before that title lethal protector before. Yeah, I, I, you get what I'm saying though. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it's just like the ba- story it's like Batman, or... the Dark Knight kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. So there's Venom, Lethal Protector, Venom Pigeon. Not sure what that is. That's a dumb name. He uh, does. He does like pigeons though. He does like pigeons. Yeah, there's a a few other games that were leaked. There's no way they're calling it that though. There's a Ratchet and Clank 2029. So they're already planning for that one. Um, the. Venom stuff, I think might it might be free DLC. Because they have a ton of... Uh, that makes more sense than a full game, I think. They have a ton of Spider-Man DLC on here. Just because of, like, the stuff involving Venom and Spider-Man 2. I was like, I don't know if there's, like, room to tell much of a story there. So and that's then, interesting. And then they have another timeline thing here. It's X-Men 2030. That's... Oof. That's, like, seven, eight years from now. Yeah, so some of the stuff that was uh, leaked for the Wolverine... I'll just mention a few things, like real quick there's... I feel like X-Men is a natural evolution if they were doing a Wolverine game I feel like that makes sense as the next yeah for sure step uh, so there's a concept art leaked there's gameplay footage the footage I've seen for this is it's very early on but it looks dope it's uh, you know the cinematics was in Charlie and obviously Spider-Man mm. uh, the cinematic for this one is Wolverine is on a <coughs> boat they start shooting at him the boat flips over he starts running. He he gets into like a yacht. I think it, it looks like a yacht or their docks. And then there's like two boats on the side of him. And like a rock, a walkway. You can't really tell because it's all like in gray. Uh-huh. And then he's just running. They're shooting at him. Things are blowing up. And then he starts wall running. And it kind of ends right, ends right there. Uh, that's really neat. Uh, the cast. Yeah, let, me see. let me get the cast. Uh, the cast. Uh, I don't know if you're going to recognize any of the names. But the name you will recognize is... Troy Baker. Yeah. Troy Baker is playing... He's always getting hired for everything. (laughs) Nathaniel Essex. Sinister. Mr. Uh, Sinister. uh, Then you have your obvious other characters like Mystique. Um, Yeah, everybody else here... There's got to be Sabretooth. Imagine Sabretooth. Sabretooth is there. Sabretooth is played by... I saw... Britt Gibson? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a people were talk, posting online about Twitter that there's like a there's a f- partial build of the Wolverine game that people can download to play on PC, 
and then they're starting to get all hit with DMCA's like the the disease sins whatever like people are getting hit with that and like I don't know I don't know it seems like a real like from their ISP from their internet service providers like getting them like hey like you downloaded something like we we become notified or aware that you downloaded something like you should delete or whatever and like oh like now you're getting into like very like you know gray legal area I'm like I wouldn't do that there's uh, some more stuff for the timeline here. Uh, so we're in 23. Wolverine is 20 expected. 25. I know there's a, a Spider-Man 3, obviously. 2027. Even Spider-Man. just the way Spider-Man 2 ends, obviously there's going to be a Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that's uh, 2027. That's a given. And then, oh man. So yeah, a lot of stuff came out. Uh, what's more worrying, and it's not really mentioned here, is uh, there's a lot of personal employee de- uh, info, passports, uh, I think, like, even credit card the credit cards of former employees people don't even work there anymore like i, I saw on twitter like this uh this woman she works now for one of the disney studios i think yeah and she's saying like, oh great like my, my credit card company just flagged like a uh, a purchase that was made and like i haven't even been to that country or wherever that purchase was made and she's like i haven't worked for insomniac since like a year ago she said so it sucks now like a lot of this, a lot of the inf- former employees and current employees are gonna have to go you know, spend their holidays sifting through their cards, freezing accounts, and, like, just making sure they're not getting, like, doxxed or, like, all their information's out there, like, their private, like, you know, personal information. Um, because I, I know a lot of us were just focusing on the video game details aspect because that's, like, the part that excites us the most. But there is, like, a really, like, really messed up uh, human component to this story. And, then like, just a lot of people, a lot of employees are going to have to watch their backs for the next year or two just to make sure that, like... Their financial information isn't being fully like violated and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that sucks too. Um, so that's the current state. Uh, so what's going on with Sony over there though? Because like, remember this happened to The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, and but not just Sony. But also remember last year with the big GTA Six leak. Yeah. You know what I found out interesting about that, Johnny? Did you hear about that by the guy who did that? The GTA Six leak last year. Apparently he was already in police custody or or like uh some kind of protection when he did that. He was I guess like in a hospital. I don't know, he was under police like they had him like in a room and they took away his laptop. And you know how he hacked the servers for GTA 6 and all that? All he used was an Amazon Fire Stick and a freaking um what was it? His in his phone. In conjunction with both of those things, he was able to hack. And what was he in there for? He was in there because he's part of that some kind of like cyber, like another one of those like hacker groups. But they were wanting for some other stuff across Europe that had to do with like medical information and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw, he's the guy who said like, oh yeah, like if I, as soon as I get out, like I'm going to hack them again, like Rockstar again. And so like a judge ruled for him to be indefinitely in like a ho- confined to a hospital, a medical hospital, like a mental hospital. Mm. until he's deemed as like no longer a like cyber threat so i'm like this dude is like he's like freaking he's like a teenager and he hacked he hacked like one of the most biggest companies using a amazon fire stick and his own cell phone he didn't even need a laptop like what we have so like like, oh this dude's like he's like a freaking i don't know if you've seen the show mr robot no no with rami wilek but this dude's like he's like the internet MacGyver. He's like 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 just give me like two. I just need two things to make this whole thing like fall apart, like explode or something. So this guy he's like a cyber sleuth or something. So 
Anyways, that's not technically related to this, but it kind of is because it's a video game. It's about the GTA 6 leak and stuff. Yeah, they also got hacked uh, 10 years ago. Remember that? Insomniac? No, Sony. Oh, when the whole PSN was down for like, yeah. what, three, two weeks or something? Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad. Yeah. And I think, I, did I mention it on here? Or did I, I think I told you right where I had to change my information recently. Yeah. Because like, they're like, oh, you logged into PSN through Malaysia. I'm like, I have never been to Malaysia. So, as, so I had to do two-factor authorization and all that. Aside from from the personal information from developers being leaked, how do you feel about the leak, though? Like, does it excite you for the game? Because I've seen plenty of it. I, I just didn't look at the uh, story beats. I don't want to get that spoiled. But I've seen so much of it. And it, I it's saw. So I I think there's like a extra besides Wolverine and the Wolverine game you can play as another character. That's kind of interesting because of who that character is. I don't want to spoil it for people, but uh, another X Men character. Oh, I kind of said too much right there, but uh, it's not that big. Of a that's kind of cool. Um, I, we I don't just, know enough. I don't think I I didn't look. I don't want to know yet. What if there's details about Spider Man Three? I other than knowing it exists, I don't think they have any concrete stuff yet because it's so far away. I imagine. Uh, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I'm not gonna tell you the oh, name. Okay, okay. But the secondary character, I don't think it should have been that. Okay. I would have chosen. Oh, you're talking about Wolverine, right? Well, there's Wolverine, but then the second uh, protagonist, mm-hmm. I would have chosen a different secondary protagonist. Okay. That's I, fi- I figured that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, the X Men stuff, X Men game in the future. Apparently, that's part of the uh, the. It's like the Marvel has like a contract for Insomniac to to produce more than just one x-men game i guess that's the other big part of that leak and that's interesting because i haven't when was the last real x-men game that we got me was maybe x-men legends apocalypse back like in 2004 maybe i mean there's the x-men origins wolverine game but i don't know if that really counts uh there's been like little spin-offs here and there on marvel ultimate alliance but there we haven't had like a solid like a real proper x-men game since like the mid 2000 like odds so mm-hmm. I find that pretty interesting, uh, but I don't want to be spoiled on anything else yet because I'm a big fan of Marvel and Insomniac, and I don't want to know story details, gameplay details, like, like, like mechanics is different. Like that's, I think that's kind of cool, but I don't want to be spoiled on story stuff yet. All right. Uh, yeah, never mind. I was going to spoil something, but I already told Andrew off the pod. Mm. Anyways, uh, we got more news, right? We do. Sorry. I want to grab a cheese um danish what is this i don't know some kind of pastry anyways so that's what's going on with Sonic. the next story this one johnny seems excited about let's see um this one comes from ign it says sony really is concerned about microsoft's xbox strategy following the activision blizzard buyout written by wesley yinpool it says Following the devastating cybersecurity attack that targeted Marvel's Spider-Man 2 developer Insomniac Games, leaks, oh, I'm sorry, leaked slides have revealed Sony's internal concern at competitor Microsoft's emergency emergency strategy following its $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. It says Sony described the buyout, which brings the likes of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Candy Crush within Xbox as quote, the leapfrog, end quote. It goes on to say Microsoft is now positioned to leapfrog our current pillars. Sony points out the benefits of the acquisition, which arms Microsoft with strong live service games, scale in mobile, and a ready-made PC storefront in Battle.net. It also notes Microsoft is building its own mobile app store to challenge Apple's app store 
and the Google Play Store, which is something Xbox boss Phil Spencer has spoken about multiple times in the past. Sony goes on to express concern about the Call of Duty threat coming in 2027. In order to appease antitrust regulators, Microsoft signed a deal with Sony to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. And according to these internal documents, that deal ends in 2027. Sony predicts a, quote, massive, end quote, threat to its subscription service, PlayStation Plus, which amounts to $1.5 billion in annual revenue. There's a day and date threat, too, with Microsoft poised to launch Activision Blizzard games straight into its rival subscription service, Game Pass. Microsoft has said it won't release the likes of Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3, and Diablo 4 into Game Pass until 2024, but it seems likely next year's Call of Duty game, reportedly called Black Ops Gulf War, that could be really cool. That sounds like it could be interesting. Gulf War, why? The Gulf War? You don't remember the Gulf War, Johnny? You were alive for the Gulf War. No, I don't. With Kuwait and Iraq invading. I know the, Saddam. I know the wars, but I don't know what's called Gulf War. Yeah, it's called Gulf War. Uh, well, that's the that's the heavily believed rumor. Uh, we'll launch straight onto Game Pass. In the document, Sony admitted its pillars are already dated and behind the competition. Quote, and lamented the elusive perfect game subscription the expectation of free best-in-class video games creates an unsustainable model sony said with subscription revenue not enough to cover investment a unified console pc and mobile experience doesn't exist sony said due to diversity in form factor and computer power sony's central approach it said remains the premium sales model The internal documents shine a light on the contrasting strategies between Microsoft and Sony. Microsoft launches its games day and date across PC and Xbox and straight to Game Pass, whereas Sony launches its games first on PlayStation, then, sometimes years later, on PC, and then potentially PlayStation Plus. PlayStation boss Jim Ryan said in June 2023 that video games publishers do not like Xbox Game Pass. During his pre-recorded testimony for an evidentiary hearing, between the FTC and Microsoft, Ryan claimed publishers do not like Microsoft's video game subscription service because it is, quote, value destructive, end quote. Quote, I talked to all the publishers. And then this you got made fun of this because obviously he didn't talk to all of them. He just talked to some of them. I talked to all of the publishers and they unanimously do not like Game Pass because it is value destructive, Ryan said during his testimony. Just before that, Ryan claimed that Game Pass is unprofitable for Microsoft. The Game Pass business model appears to have some challenges, and Microsoft appears to be losing a lot of money on it, Ryan said. Those comments came before Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, though, and now the game has changed. For Sony, it seems, the game has changed significantly. The Insomniac data breach comes as Sony's live service game push hangs in the balance. Last month, Sony president Hiroki Totoki said the company was reviewing the 12 live service PlayStation games they had in the works and committed to launching only six of them by the end of March 2026. Totoki said Sony is still working on when the other six live service games will come out, adding, it's not that we stick to certain titles, but for the gamers, for gamers quality should be the most important, end quote. One has already fallen away completely, however, as Naughty Dog did cancel the Last of Us multiplayer game to focus on single-player titles in December 2023. Sony has spent big on studio buyouts as part of the live service drive, bringing in Destiny developer Bungie, Jade Raymond's Haven Studios, and Firewalk Studios. Sony worked with Bungie, which has live service expertise with the Destiny series, to assess its portfolio and reportedly scaled some live service projects back as a result. Bungie is working on Marathon, a PvP-focused sci-fi extraction shooter. 
Haven Studios is working on Fair Games, a competitive heist game about robbing the ultra-rich, and Firewalk Studios is working on Concord. Concord? Concord? I still don't know how to say that. Concord. Concord? I think it's Concord, though, like like this, like the the city in um, New Hampshire? Is it Concord? Yeah, but Concord, I would say because it's like a space game. It's okay. more of a spaceship thing. Sure. Another sci-fi PvP multiplayer game. There's also a Horizon multiplayer game from Guerrilla and a co-op action game from PlayStation's London studio. And we know from the Insomniac data breach that the developer is planning a number of multiplayer games itself. Woo! That was a lengthy article. Good on you, Wesley. Good on you, sir. Uh, Alright, Johnny. Because you obviously read this before I did because you sent it to me. What are your thoughts about this? About... Um, Sony's concern about Microsoft now being able to quote leapfrog over them. I don't think it did a good job of explaining that because at the same time it's saying it says like all the pluses of them purchasing the the studio like mm. Call of Duty, but it also says like it's unsustainable and all the other developers are saying they don't like Game Pass either. No, yeah, yeah. Even Bobby the, Kodak said, like, we're, we don't like Game Pass, except they're going to buy us so they could do whatever they want now. Mm-hmm. Um, right, no, the leapfrogging, I meant reference to them buying um, uh, King, which is, like, the mobile aspect. Like, there's a Candy Crush. They're the ones that do, like, the, the mobile games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, PlayStation doesn't really have a strong mobile presence, right? And now uh, they're going to have their own, like, market store, like, their own, like, app, their own, like, straight-up place where you know like how the google store does that now they're gonna have that with their phones with the microsoft like little where they can passively just get revenue and then sony doesn't really have that the closest we have is like the closest they have i said we closest they have is the psn store right for only playstation stuff but now microsoft's gonna be in a position where like they have multiple revenue avenues right and that means they're gonna be able to pour even more resources into developing the games that i mean if Microsoft wanted to, they could just continue to cannibalize Game Pass because they can literally afford to keep it afloat. And it's kind of like, it's very similar to if you remember reading about in the old days when John D. Rockefeller and his like Standard Oil, where they would buy other um, oil platform or other like uh, oil companies, even like way more than what they were actually worth. Or sometimes like just, or like they would, they basically just purchase them just to have them. Not really worried about not concerned about like oh there's not much oil here it's like no we just want to be the biggest player right regardless of how much it costs like we just need to have that presence we'll worry about the rest later right so microsoft has like they can afford to lose money basically on game pass and then that will just become like the biggest you know as we call it as i usually call it the best deal in gaming really because no one else can come close to being able to cannibalize their own profits like that right like like ryan said like like we can't afford to do that like it's not like the investment is not matching up to like the revenue from like the, the online from the you know the customers monthly. So like only Apple maybe and Microsoft are the big juggernauts that are able to just like do stuff at a loss because eventually they'll be in a position where like they can leverage that power of being the big player, right? So it shows like they know like that's something to be concerned about. They are like I know you're saying like ah Game Pass isn't sustainable, but like. Well, it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not profitable right now. It's what it is. Yeah. It's not profitable. It's sustainable because Microsoft can funnel and move money from other departments and just shove it in there, right? Like, they're able to do that. So, I don't know. What, what Do you have any other further thoughts about this? Or, like, do you think... I don't I don't know how to phrase this, but what does, this say, what does that say about Microsoft that, that they're just... 
they're just gonna fund a project that's not profitable that doesn't mean that they're gonna produce great games right probably not so yeah so and then for how much longer like is it gonna be for the next 10 years until they they could starve until they push everybody out the market i think so so it's like for the next 10 years push everybody out the market even if it means we're not producing great games and we're still gonna gobble up other companies and we're gonna do the whole day and date thing i mean to me it's like all the other studios yeah they 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 do have some great games but i still love the sony properties sure so is that gonna push me out of sony like when (coughs) i mean you probably not but um I think for the casual gamer, I think that's kind of what they're going for. It is what it is, you know, so. Um, I think Sony is right to be a little concerned. I think, um, but again, that goes back to all the other stuff they talked about with, like, mobile and uh, live service. And, like, there, it's like a multi-front war they're having. And Microsoft has, like, unlimited resources. Even it's like it's a lot like how the Soviets beat Nazi Germany, where like so like Soviet equipment, like tanks and everything, was inferior to Germany's like better Panzers and like their equipment. There's a sound a lot, but they had way more bodies to throw at the Germans. Yeah, and they just they literally just overpowered them with just sheer manpower, and that's really that's all it really takes is just to also. Also, if and I'm not calling anybody Nazis, Germany in this case, it, it's just an, it's just a meta, it's just an example, just to be clear. Uh, that's my train of thought. I think I think what I was gonna say is also <coughs> if uh, if oh yeah if the developers aren't happy with Microsoft the way that they do things because Microsoft themselves said that it cannibalizes cannibalizes things, is that just gonna like? Is that just gonna put a lot of little studios, a lot of indies, just out of business? It might because the people when when they're gonna go on on a game pass, they're predominantly gonna play the big ass games, right? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to the point where Microsoft is saying like, "Hey, indies, like you don't have a choice but to be on the surface because we're the only game in town." Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen, dude. Oh, I'm answering a text real quick. Um, I I think it is possible. Um, and I think somebody I'm trying to remember who else was saying about how um, like we're gonna see, we're gonna see in the near future that like a lot of the yeah like a lot of the indie studios, a lot of the other studios who like they're gonna be squeezed out of the space. Like that's just ultimately what's gonna happen is uh Do you did I was I able to say it right? Like why the indies might be squeezed out? I th- I kinda got it, some of it. Half of my mind was on the on this text message I had yeah, to answer yeah. right away, but uh I I it is something that it, it's possible and but I think also I think also the market will probably just adapt around that. Like it always just adapts, right? If it's free enough, yeah. If it's free enough, right? I mean I'm thinking of like which, the which I mean there's only like three players in the in the game, so well, we're probably gonna see more. I think. I mean, we, the three big ones, right? Nintendo's, PlayStation, yeah, Xbox. But then, like, you have Epic and Tencent and these and EA. These other ones, these other satellite big boys who are not really beholden to any one company. Yeah, and like Tencent, are they gonna be competitor friendly? Like, I don't know. No, I think. I think. Not a whole lot of competition. I, th- I think uh, if they were to get more involved, I think then FTC would get involved mainly because that's a Chinese entity 
And I think that's, that that would set off more red flags for them than like, you know, an American company buying another American company. I just wonder what this looks like 10 years from now. Like, <coughs> is there a point where Nintendo and Sony create a, like a tight alliance or Microsoft by Sony or Tencent just comes out of nowhere with their own console? Mm-hmm. What does that look like in 10 years? I don't know. I think that's a completely different conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. So those are our two stories for the week. As a game news, like we mentioned, game news tends to die around this time of the year. Uh, all right, Johnny. So we talked about. Our... Okay, since it's a uh, it's about to be Christmas, let's talk about a couple holiday games. Holiday games? Yeah, some Christmas. Oh, games. okay. That's right. That's right. We're talking about games that are either centered around Christmas or kind of. Involves Christmas. Kind of, if you guys haven't sure heard like the debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Same thing. Apply to video games. So Johnny, hit us with them. All right. So I guess it's sort of a debate, and we can expound on it. So the first game I got on this list is going to be Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yeah. Heavily. It opens with Christmas, right? Yeah. A good portion of that game has Christmas iconography throughout the entire. I'm trying to think. I don't remember about the climatic finale, the boss battle at the end. I remember just like when you're walking through the streets of like the like the Puerto Rican section of New York, the exposition portion. Yeah, you would yeah. see a lot of like snow, a lot of like little like festive holiday decorations, even in the house too, even in his apartment, I think. Right? As he start to do uh is it are they getting ready for a Christmas dinner or is it Thanksgiving dinner? I'm trying to remember. Do you remember? There's like a big there's a moment in that game where they're getting ready for like a meal, a big meal. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. They're in the apartment. I think it's like a, yeah, cuz then you have to go on the roof to do something with the power. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is Christmas. You, did you set up the lights? Was that what it was? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, you had to, like, re- restore the power for the light switch or something, I think. So Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, that's definitely a Christmas game. I would say so. So, the next one is going to be 1995's Twisted Metal. It takes place in, Twisted Metal takes place in 2005 on Christmas Eve. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I, I, I can't tell. Is there like, Christmas stuff? The game, yeah. I don't recall there being a lot of Christmas stuff. Uh, but it's 95. On Christmas Eve. Well, the game is 95, but it takes place in 2000. Right, 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 but yeah. Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, not too much theme around Christmas, though. The next one, <coughs> a lot of these games are take place in that area, and I'm trying to figure out, like, did it have any Christmas themes? None of these games really have any mechanics re- revolving around that, but... Wrap those presents. <laughs> so the next one is um, Parasite Eve. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Parasite Eve does take place either on or around. Is it New Year's or Christmas? December 24th, I think. They all take all these okay. games in, are in the 24th. Yeah, that's right. Parasite Eve. That's the the weird horror shooter RPG from Square Enix or Squaresoft at the time, I think. Yeah, that's why sometimes I'll, I'll go to the DMs and I'll send some random shit. And you guys have like no idea that I'm talking about this. So I think I sent this. I need to, to play that game. To a DM. Oh, you did, didn't play it. I think I played like a demo of it, or I think it came to the PSN store, and I might have bought it or the second one. Yeah. So this is definitely one of those games I want to see. Is it? T- it takes place like in the Chrysler Building or something, right? I think it's somewhere in New York. It's in New York. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Christmas I don't Eve. Know. Yeah, the opening is like you're in a like an opera or something, right? In the opera, it's yeah. a theater, and then people start like going crazy like they catch on fire yeah and then these things start mutating mm-hmm. so it's about genetic engineering sort of something like that yeah but you're right i think it does take i think you're right i think I've, i remember hearing that 
Yeah. Next one. Okay, I'm going to do the other one first. Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes. All right, so tell me about this one. So there is an entire world, because uh, the Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, and Kingdom Hearts 1, all the Kingdom Hearts games involve, revolve around you exploring Disney worlds, uh, usually based on a Disney property. In this case, in Part 2, you are go- you go to the Nightmare Before Christmas world. Uh, Hall- I think it's Halloween Town. And um, it's a part of the story where Jack has uh, Jack Skellington has already gone, and I think he's replaced Santa Claus. He calls him Sandy Claus because he he doesn't understand really the 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 message or the theme behind Christmas. He kind of has like all the Christmas theme. That whole world, that whole level is Christmas theme. And in fact, even Sora, your main character, gets like a Christmas themed outfit. We have like the little like the the Santa hat. It's all black. And like you guys, you and Donald and Goofy all have like very festive gear, and even the Heartless you fight are all like themed after like presents or like toy soldiers or like it, it's very, it's definitely a, a very Christmas section centered section. Uh, it's not the entire game, but that one world's about a one to two hours long. I would say I would I would I would give Kingdom Hearts two the nod as yeah I guess it's technically a Christmas game. So just in theming, right? Just for that one world, yeah. All right. So then I got a massive one here. Middle Year 2. That's so, right. Sons of Liberty. I forgot about that. Is that on Christmas Day? Uh December 24th, 99. I don't know if it's That's on when they Day. start the uh the beginning of the prologue, right? I don't think it's like the main game, is it? When he jumps onto the off the off the Washington off the Washington bridge. On the bridge. Yeah, jumps yeah. on the tanker. Is it? It's not a tanker, is it? He, j- he lands on the tanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's cold. Man, that's so epic. That, that is during so... Christmas. I think you're right. That's right. Yeah, as far as the game, though. But there's nothing in like, the game that suggests exactly. it's festive. It or... just takes place in that date. But in, in the tanker, <laughs> there's none of that. Maybe there's a little Easter egg or something, but yeah, not so much. Nothing says Merry Christmas like boarding a ship with your stealth suit on. Yeah. All right. So there's a there is a game here. That is not a Christmas game, but I think it should have had a Christmas theme in it. Skyrim. Sky- why? Oh, I thought it was gonna be Skyrim because Skyrim's like Nordic. It's snowy. I don't know. It is. This is personally what I think should be should have a, a Christmas mission or something like that. Death Stranding. Is it because you're delivering packages? Exactly. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm surprised there's no. Is there Christmas DLC for that game or something? Like no, that's what I'm thinking. This Porter is Sam Porter Bridges. Like now his mission is to like spread cheer across the dismantled world or something. I don't know what it what the mission would be, but I can imagine him just carrying all these presents on his back, like a stack of them, like with bow ties and everything. Like I could see him doing that, wearing a Santa outfit. Oh, that'd be dope. They there's a little scene where they have the tree. The tree's all withered or whatever. It's all dead looking. But they still put presents underneath it or something. They still light it up, yeah. And then dude has a bunch of packages in his back. Ironically, that one's more Christmassy. That one's more thematically Christmas than any of the other games you mentioned, honestly. Because he's literally going around delivering packages like Santa. Yeah. That's like the core element of the game. I guess, technically, gameplay-wise, you could give him a sleigh. There's, does he have like a, he has a vehicle right he has like a motorcycle or whatever he has a bike yeah there you go and a, a, a truck a van he just needs like deer like zombie deer or dead deer or invisible deer is pulling it or something 
I don't know about the deer, but you could go mislay. <coughs> like a little portable thing. Mm-hmm. There's a mission where you just go sledding with your packages. That'd be great. There you go. All right. So, I got the other segment here. Do you have anything else before this? I, well, I, I guess it was just... Uh, I, I think Skyrim could be considered a Christmas game because that whole game is just covered in snow. And there is a lot of, like, um, there's deer... There's um freaking like the little like the wreaths like the little berries like the little holly like that grows in the game. It's I don't know when I think of Christmas also because it came around out in November like originally released in November. In my mind, Skyrim feels like it feels like a Christmas time game because it's just beautiful like Nordic countryside and just white and snowy and I feel like Skyrim. It's not Christmas like there's no the the calendar they use is even like our calendar or whatever but like. It just feels cheery and festive, so it's kind of like it's like it's like Death Stranding, where it's Christmassy technically in spirit. There's a yeah, there's plenty of other games. I just thought of one that could have lended itself to that. I think a Batman game would have been cool. There's plenty of snow, New York, well Gotham, but yeah, it would have been nice scenery. Yeah, I agree. All right, the uh, next segment here is gonna be. What are your biggest disappointments disappointments of 2023? Um, Spider-Man 2 being nominated for so many things and not winning anything. Uh-huh. Uh, also, Star Wars Jedi Survivor being nominated for so many categories and not winning anything. Starfield. So, Starfield being only nominated for only nominated for one category and not even winning that one category. Yeah. So mostly just with the award. It's it's petty stuff. It's not really real. Dis- I mean, there's also of course the Last of Us Online getting canceled. That's disappointing because you wasted yeah. wasted so much time when you could have used those resources. We'd be closer to Last of Us Part Three by now if they had just recommitted those resources or whatever. The they're gonna recycle because they confirmed they're making another game. They're making or they're working on two single player games at least. So the last uh, Naughty Last Dog. of Us, yeah, Naughty Dog. I'm sorry, Naughty yeah, Dog. they're gonna recycle a lot of that stuff. All the buildings and mechanics, maybe all that stuff is gonna be recycled. Um, uh, but what's crazy is. Cause damn, if uh, they were working on twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, online games. Now they, like you just said, it's six. Six. But the thing is, like, damn, if Naughty Dog couldn't do it, you know, who can? Yeah. So, I think uh, that's it for disappointments. Now, this is, uh, I guess, the final section, right? Yes, finally. Yes. Except for what are you gonna be playing? Um, what was I playing? Oh, I started replaying uh, Vampire Survivors on Switch. I told you about that. I bought it again on Switch. It's, again, super addictive, especially on mobile, where I was playing on PC last year, but this year I'm playing it on Switch. And, like, because I can take this. I was at, When I was at the hospital with my mom, during her operation, all I played was Vampire Survivors because it was a five-hour operation, and we were waiting downstairs in the lobby and like my wife was falling asleep on my shoulder and i was just playing vampire survivors to just keep me distracted so um so yeah vampire survivors and um what was the other one i was just playing recently oh fallout 76 of course still playing fallout 76 and uh that's about it this past week i've been very busy with just with planning and packing and stuff so i haven't played that much but um those were the two main games. I've, I'm looking forward to the next episode we do when I come back from Mexico. I want to have like a lot of games to talk about, so I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, just those two titles. All right, cool. Me, uh, nothing new. Really? Yeah. No more Fortnite stuff? Nah. 
uh there's no point right now like i like gaming when because you play to to get to get the skins right <coughs> right so once you do that that's kind of it like you can do the dailies and then the weeklies and that'll give you the points to earn oh. the skins i'm glad you mentioned that thank you there was something i forgot i have been when you said dailies i thought of it yeah i started playing the uh the Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, the free-to-play Yu-Gi-Oh game, uh, Master Duel. There you go. It's uh, it's been out for like two or three years. A mobile game. It's a mo. It's basically the card game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you could, you do your dailies to earn like credits and like currency, so you can buy more cards and more packs or whatever. It's not grindy. Oh, so kind many, of. So sort many of. mobile games. It is a little bit, but if you're into the gameplay loop of Yu-Gi-Oh of the card games, then it doesn't feel that grindy because like. You can get any of the cards. Like, none of the cards are up to, like, the current, whatever's released in real life. You can get any card, and, like, you're not locked out of it. I mean, there's, like, specific packs geared towards, like, a certain, like, subtype of genre. Like, uh, hey, if you get this pack, it's mostly, like, fairy cards. Oh, if you get this pack, it's mostly, like, elemental hero cards. Or, like, there's, like, subgenres of, like, archetypes, like, types within the game. So you can get, you can gear, you can kind of manipulate the RNG to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And then just like pump in crystals to get like certain amount of cards or packs or whatever. But um, I got back into it because one of my friends online was saying that he kind of got back in. He he got back into it, and I was like, ah, I was kind of curious. And I'm like, I miss Yu-Gi-Oh. I miss playing Yu-Gi-Oh from when I was like a teenager. So uh, I've only put I've only put like three hours into it so far. I'm still doing the tutorial stages, but um, I'm eager to get to the point where I can actually do like online battles with like actual people, and. Uh, curious to see how see how rusty i really am in that space so um so yeah uh, master duel is the other thing i've been playing but i mean is it a video game no i don't know it's more like uh playing the card game just on mobile so depending on how you classify i guess yeah it is a video game in that, in that sense all right the last section you got the point system i do Originally, we were just going to do our top five games of the year, but Johnny's weird in that he wants to do a top six, and I told him no one does a top six, and he says we do. I'm like, all right. So there we are. So you go first. You want me to go with my... Let's do what? Let's do one. Let's oh. start with the bottom. Yeah, that's what I figured. We're working our way up, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, we're working up to our number one, right? All right, so number six for me for this year is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And, of course, these are all games that we've actually completed uh, I probably might move some stuff around if it was other games, but Star Wars Jedi Survivor is my number six for this year. Um, I It completely builds up on everything that Jedi Fallen Order did. Uh, you have like actual side quests. You have places like hubs with people to explore around. There's a whole like separate like uh, uh, bounty hunter storyline that's really dope on the side there's the the villains interesting and there's more i mean i don't want to get too much into the story spoilers but like villains you know with a little apostrophe or not apostrophe with a little asterisk in the corner uh are really dope the story is really cool the mechanics the grappling the little grappling hook you get um all the extra stuff they really added like the combat's so much better it's much more refined from the first one all the different stances you have now. I think you have like what nine stances compared to the four you had in the first game or something, four or three, I forget. But you have way more variety with like the double bladed lightsabers, the long sword one with like the little Kylo Ren things on the side, the using the blaster in conjunction with a lightsaber. Like you have so much more variety of how you want to approach uh, c- combat. Um, 
the worlds don't feel nearly as empty as he did in the first one. Like there's a living, breathing, like it feels like a living, especially when you're in the first opening area of Coruscant, like there's like a living, breathing world or galaxy to this game. And the first one just kind of lacks that. Do they um, still have the mini bosses? Yeah, they still have the mini bosses. Mini bosses are fun. Um, didn't you play the game too? I don't mean like, uh, yeah. What are they called? The, uh, the, the Sith. <coughs> Oh, you're talking about the Inquisitors? Yes. Are they still part of it? Or yeah. Or is it a different... Yeah, there's... Inqu- there's a... Uh, well, only in the first section... Well, I don't know. Only, like, in the first section of the game. Because they're not even, like, the main, like, main antagonistic force in the game, really. Um, I mean, they kind of are on the side, but not really, like, the main ones that Cal's against. So, uh, there's a lot of uh, old uh, High Republic integration. So, if you haven't been keeping up with, like, the High Republic with, like... Uh, the comics or the books there there's some stuff uh from that in the game uh and also just the characters the um cal's like relationship with uh what's her name the night sister i forget his name her name uh mara 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 i forget her name <laughs> i'm not good at names but like all the side characters they come back from the first game like it's, it's cool seeing them a few years later uh new characters get added like bodhi uh bode body bodhi I remember his name um and just it's just a really well fleshed out, really well rounded game. My only gripe is, and it's the same gripe I had with the first game, is that your cow doesn't do very well combat wise when there's too many enemies on screen, because they just kind of overwhelm you. And the game still has that issue compared to a Fallen Order. What do you mean difficulty or? I guess difficulty. Yeah, you just get over. There's like parts I had to repeat because there's just way too many enemies on screen. I like I. I don't know how I'm supposed to be fighting and blocking and evading all these attacks at the same time. Like the game's, the game is with because you have like a block meter. I feel like the game's not structured well around the idea. Like the ideas for what they want to do aren't fully fleshed out compared to how they envisioned in their head. I don't know how much they play tested the game before they released it, but there was a couple of bugs too. The game was a little buggy at, at release. It got patches throughout the year, um, but um, yeah, I still I enjoyed enough of it as a Star Wars nerd. Like I was really into it, so. That's why it gets on my list for this year. All right. My game, number six, is a game you should still play. Is a Colossal Protocol. That came out this year? Yeah. Really? Or I played it this year. I'm pretty sure it came out early this year. I and thought it, it was last year. It could have been last year, but I played it this year. Okay. All it right. could have been last year, and they just put it on Plus this year. That sounds right. Yeah. So, you should definitely play this. Um... Is it better than? Is it better at being Dead Space than Dead Space? No, is? Okay. definitely not. Dead Space, I guess I can talk about Dead Space now. Dead Space is <coughs> scary at every single corner. Is really. that also on your list? No, it's not. Oh, okay. But it plays like all these tricks on your mind. And Callisto Protocol, you know, same developer, the guy that worked on that game, uh, worked on Callisto Protocol. Uh, this was like his uh his game, his uh. It's like a spiritual successor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you see a lot that's reminiscent of Dead Space. There's things like uh, you get those uh, telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like you get this kinetic glove thing, and you could pull things, throw them at enemies. It's pretty much Dead Space, but Dead Space, yes, it's so much better. Uh, but you should still play it though. Okay. The protagonist is really cool. Um, the antagonist is is all right. There's a lot. There's a lot of CQC uh, sequences. Um. But yeah, that's number six on the list. Go ahead. All right. Number five, which I'm pretty sure is on Johnny's list too, is uh, Diablo 4 for me. Yeah. 
Diablo 4. Uh, traditionally, historically, I've not been a big Diablo fan. I actually just played Diablo 3 earlier this year. or la- I'm trying to remember if it was earlier this year or last year. And that was kind of fun. Uh, but Diablo 4 just, man, man, that game is really addictive. Like, I, I just, I remember I, I got it and I told Johnny, like, hey, maybe you should try it. And he's like, oh, or, or, I don't remember if I convinced you to try it or you just tried it on your own. But, like. Well, it looked cool. It looked, the trailers look amazing. The cinematics, oh, my God. The cinematics are so good. Anything that involving Lilith, like, it just looks, like, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, freaking, I forget the guy's name. The guy who's, like, all light with the wings are all light. The, her rival, the, bat, the other, I forgot his name, but uh, like Gabriel, something like that. Like you actually go visit him early in the game like, to his like temple, and he like talks to you, and he kind of just misses you, like whatever. Yeah, uh, I can't remember his name, but anyways, all the cinematics are freaking gorgeous. Uh, really rewarding gameplay loop style. You go in, you still, you know, you're just looting and killing enemies, but you're always it always feels like you're working towards something, like you're not just wasting time, like. Oh, we're gonna go do this dungeon. Well, if you go to do this dungeon, like besides just experience, like hey, you can, if you'll get like a special weapon or whatever, or like, you, oh, maybe that weapon's not for you. Okay, put it in the chest for when you do another playthrough and you have that for your next character or whatever, right? Um, I mean, they kind of perfected the whole cycle, I think, of looting. And, and if you've ever played Borderlands, you know it's very familiar. Where like, oh, there's also this special currency you can use to get, like, really legendary items, but, like, you can't choose exactly what it is, but you can choose a category of, like, helms or armor or scythes or swords or whatever. So, like, you never feel like anything's fully wasted because even when you have gear that you can't do anything with, you either sell it or just break it down for parts. Like, nothing feels wasted in the game, which I really enjoy. Or just give it to you guys when you're online. Exactly, or someone will just give you loot just for the hell of it. They'll just give you gear, right? And, uh, and every, well, I only played like two classes. I only played the Necromancer and I started the, um, uh, was it the, which one's the chunky one? Like the, with the animals. I forgot what they're called. Not nomads, right? Berserkers? No, not berserker. I can't remember, but it's the spiritual one with the animals. I, I completed the game as a necromancer and like I never felt like under like powered on my own. I know you played the rogue or I love rogue and you love that. And I know our cousin Johnny he pl- I'm sorry your cousin Joe played as the one I'm trying to describe the uh I, druid I think it's druid right druid yeah yeah and he said he had a good time so like it feels like there is no weak like weak there's no bad choice among the classes like you're gonna have fun regardless. Um, so it's it's very well balanced. The voice acting was great. What's his name as Lorath is really fun. Um, I can't remember the actor's voice actor's name, but like it being fully voice acted everywhere, the NPCs, the the enemy variety is pretty good. Uh, the open world events where you're just going around the world and like oh like you can partake in like all these people are over here fighting like they're trying to prevent this. Oh, thing. when you got these special events, yeah, that part is really neat because you could be anywhere on the map. You go to the special event and then gradually once you're like. 80% there, you start seeing everybody on their horse, on horseback, going to the same destination. Oh, yeah, And yeah. then you all kind of meet there, and you just start hacking away at shit. Yeah, and as long as you participate a little bit, you get rewarded, so it's yeah. like, oh, like I, I showed up too late. Like, no, like you still get something for showing up. Uh, just, the whole game is just a really good vibe. Like, the boss battles, like, even if you're doing them solo, like, they're not completely impossible to do. It's just, it mostly, it's just, like, stay out of this space at this given time kind of stuff. Like, dodge, dodge, wait for your dodge to refill so you can dodge the next attack. And it's, it's just very rewarding. It feels good. The gameplay is very snappy. Uh, there's not that much downtime. When you die, you kind of, 
I mean, you get taken back to wherever your like save point is or whatever, but like you can just go back and like it. It, it feels fun. Ultimately, it's just very fun to play. It feels well, well polished. I I know some people were complaining about like things getting nerfed afterwards, mm-hmm. but I only really played for that first month, so I never got hit with any of those like oh like this is nerfed now or like oh they broke this by doing this patch like. I didn't get caught up in that. No. Nope. So I only got the positives out of the game. I know it got went downhill after. But for my time and my experience this year, like Diablo 4, it was like one of those bangers. So um, And oh, next year, at some point, I'm going to get back into it because it's going to be after all these patches and buffs and all that. Did right? you do any of like the season one stuff? Johnny? I didn't do no? that. Okay, me neither. Yeah. So I, probably that's when it started going downhill. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. But for sure, next year, I want to get back <coughs> into that game. All right. What's your number five, Johnny? So my fifth is gonna be, uh, the ascent. Um, Didn't that also come out last year? Probably. Hmm. Uh, the ascent top-down shooter, cyberpunk. Uh, very fun mechanics. The only thing I don't like about this game is that there's not a uh, voiceovers. You know, so there's like constant reading. The characters are pretty neat. Um, there is actually talking. I'm, I'm lying, but a lot of the side little side quests. <laughs> like I'm lying. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the side quests, there's a bunch of little dialogue, and you they like give you so much exposition with the little stuff. You're like, I'd rather just not read all this shit and just stand here. So you end up, I end up skipping a lot of it because I I'm just like, nah, I ain't got time for this shit. Okay. Uh, so the the game is the objective is in the name, the ascent. It's like you're living in the slums. You collect guns. You you take on like uh these contracts. You take out people. And then you gradually ascend to the higher levels until mm-hmm. you get to the top of of the control. And then at the top, these aren't really spoilers, but there's like an AI and you figure out who's controlling the AI. Can you take over the AI? Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to a, a part two of this with a, I mean, same mechanics. I'd be down for the same exact mechanics. Just, oh, damn, the, the worlds are insanely dense, dude. I've never played a, a isometric game. That has so much going on in every little corner, dude. Uh, like, and then it has a photo mode, which isn't that great. But, but uh, isometric get, game with the photo mode, like, how much can you like cheat, move the camera? Well, well, that's the thing. Like, when you zoom out, there's so much shit going on, and then you zoom in with with the camera mode, and you start realizing there's even more details. Like, you'll walk down a hallway, and then you realize, like, oh shit, there's like. Um, uh environmental storytelling like there, there there'll be a guy in the corner that just got shot up and you'll see like a dozen enemies somebody came through here and knocked them out mm-hmm. and there's like these corridors with all these valves and and it's 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 amazing how much shit there is in the level just to look at mm-hmm. um i'm constantly just like just walking and uh, like uncharted you've played those games right of course you get the same feeling of like you just walk into a place and you're just walking slowly just enjoying absorbing everything that's going on around you so yeah but your turn all right uh next one number four for me of course being fourth is resident evil 4 remake what yeah you put that down there you didn't like it i put it a little higher oh okay um i mean what is there to say man we, we gushed about this game back earlier this year when it came out uh it's the definitive version of playing resident evil 4 that whole story uh leon's way cooler ashley's actually not annoying this time around uh salazar's a doper enemy this time we get a little more with ada like it's basically the og resident evil 4 except everything's like polished modernized 
just freaking gorgeous. Even though it's all dark and dreary and drab and grays and blacks and browns, it's still phenomenally gorgeous when you... I'm, that's that part where you get to the lake where the giant salamander is and then like that sunlight as the sun goes down like that evening as the sun sunset like oh like such a beautiful scene even though it's like set against a very drab world like after after the salamander no before you fight him okay. there's a part where you come out to the lake before you fight him before it starts raining and all that and it looks really nice it looks, it's a gorgeous shot it's a cutscene it's a cutscene um they did away with the, most of the annoying puzzles. Most of the annoying puzzles got taken out. They got out. some tough puzzles. Like before the salamander, that little machine. Yeah, but that one's optional. Well, I still did it. That shit was... Yeah. It took me a while, but I was like... You're talking oh. about you're like revolving the tiles, right? Yeah, it was tough, but it was definitely satisfying. You know what's funny is you can... Do, actually, you can do it with three moves. Yeah, I've seen that. Which was really... Like, I'm like, what? Was it that... Was it that... Because I saw a streamer... I Done. saw a streamer trying to figure it out. I got it myself, but I, then later I saw a streamer trying to figure it out. And he was listening to all his super chats. And the chat was like, do this, do that, do that. And he got it like in four moves after he'd been trying for like half an hour. Mm. So that, go ahead. Uh, the gallery, the shooting gallery stuff is fun again. Like that that, was, that feels better than it did in the original. Um, going back and trying to get like save up money for upgrading your weapons. Like there's a lot of replayability there. I didn't. I definitely didn't get everything in the first playthrough. Um, the the way they just recontextualize a lot of like the, for example, the Ashley part was way more terrifying, but also way more fun to play. I hated that part in the first one. Oh, here with the, the with the knights and everything, like, it yeah. was much more like um, involved. It felt much more interactive. Um, the the that wasn't in the first game either. Like the the blue flames make them stop moving. The parasites. That wasn't in the first. That one. wasn't in the first one. So I thought it was kind of cool. They kind of worked that for her with the torch and everything. Like, it's just it's just a phenomenally much better game. The fight with El Gigante is even better. The giant guy, like, it's just so much better. And it's less. It's definitely less cheesy. There's like some stuff they took out with um, uh, what's his name? Enrico, Rico, Enrique. I forgot his name. The 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 journalist, the guy who works for Umbrella too. The Hispanic guy. I don't remember his name. It's not coming to me. Luis, Luis, there you go, yes. Luis. Like the stuff going on, he helps you out with the mind in the mind section. Like, and then oh my god, the Krauser fight, the Krauser fight is so that. much they, better. They flushed it out. Like everything is so much better, so much better. And it's just even if you didn't, even if you're not comparing it to the original, as a standalone game, Resident Evil Four is like a thriller. It is a perfectly paced thriller. There's always something going on. You have your downtime because you need that those moments to break up the tension. Of course, so you have downtime where you kind of just. You know, after a boss battle, Leon will, you know, throw out a quip, a little a little witty one-liner, and then you're, like, the calm, right? The calm until the next section, and then things start happening. It's just a, it's just a very well-paced, very well-made, very well-rounded game. Um, I, I would recommend anyone to play. The, uh, I, I mean, Jedi Survivor I love, Diablo 4 I liked, but I don't know if I would recommend those to just anybody. I think you have to be, like, a special person who appreciates the kind of yeah, game. Yeah, true. Resident Evil 4 feels like the kind of game that no matter what your gaming background is, like, it's something you would enjoy. There's something there for you to enjoy, I think. So, it's very accessible. It's not hard unless you want to make it hard with, like, a setting, like, difficulty changes. But, like, it's a very doable, very fun 15-hour, 14-hour game. So, that's my number four. All right, so uh, my third one was, well, uh, yeah, no, my, my number four was actually Diablo 4. So oh, should okay. I say my next or you want to say your... So that was your number four? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, okay, I'm doing the points in my head, that's why. All right. 
You can talk about Diablo 4 if you want. Or no, if you no. Feel like, oh, okay, move on to your number... What would be three, then? Yeah, number three is okay. going to be Armored Core. Interesting. Okay. All right, I so, figured it would show up on this list. I just wasn't sure where. Yeah, the the last the last portion of my list, my, like my bottom three, <coughs> was pretty tough. Armored Core is amazing. Of course, you already played it. Did you complete it? I never finished it. That's oh, why no That's shit. why it's not on my list because I have not beat it. Not yeah. for a lack of trying. I've just been busy with other games and stuff. Toward, towards the end of Armored Core, it's kind of sentimental. I don't think there's enough exposition. It could have been a lot more than what I think was delivered, right? Okay. Uh, I still love it. Like the, the narrative is still great. It's solid. I just feel like there was a... They, they could have made a little bit more connections. Uh, the thing is, I I, I put it a, a higher than I than what we got. Like, I thought it was going to look closer to what the trailer looked like, right? Like uh, we've said before... The environments, they're not very fleshed out. There's a, like, yeah. like the limits on... Very flat textures. Like, you can have your level, and then, like, where you get the limits, after the limits, it's so fucking barren. Like, there's nothing going on. There's no right. city. It's it's weak. Uh, there's not enough... Yeah, the textures, not enough textures. Customization, I like, but I wish there could have been more. Like, uh, you can't... Really... I wish there was more customization that didn't change your stats. Like, I just wanted, like, more aesthetic besides just color swaps thought you could do that i really i maybe you could i couldn't find i wish i had like different helmets that weren't like oh like this affects this oh, oh why can't i just get a helmet that just looks cool that doesn't change anything i feel like everything changed or modified something and i'm like oh, i don't have to worry about that thing changing i get it in some games but i think in this game it might complicate things like I, like like trans what do you call it what do you call it in some games like trans, trans mod. Mod. there you go yeah uh i think it might complicate things for for this game because you know the exact ability of something because of the way it looks. Oh yeah, like if it's heavy. You know it's armor because you're yeah. constantly changing every yeah. time. You're your changing, loadouts like, are constantly changing. Your, your weight, your strength, your your speed, but it's kind of connected to the way oh, it looks. Just, just let me build a Gundam. Let me build a Gundam. I think for <laughs> the second playthrough, they should they should let you do that. Yeah. Uh, but for customization, yeah, you're right. After um, uh, go for it. Your turn. No, oh, that's it. Okay. Uh, my number three, of course, is uh, Final Fantasy 16. Okay. Phenomenal, phenomenal game. I mean, I know you didn't get to play it, but uh, did you play it? No, no, you couldn't. No, you didn't. So, yeah, Final Fantasy 16. I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. If you've been listening to this pod long enough, you know JRPGs are my like number one thing. And Final Fantasy is like my favorite franchise of all time. Uh, but Final Fantasy 16 just really performance wise story wise like gameplay wise it they really went all out with this one like this one oozes quality the game looks phenomenal running running at like a high uh, i'm sorry not a high fp not high frames but just like the resolution looks amazing the draw distance for certain things looks incredible um clive and sid and um uh i'm forgetting I'm forgetting some of the other characters' names. Torgal and uh, what's his name? Uh, I forgot some of their characters. I feel bad because I haven't played it since like July. But um, just that story they told with oh Joshua and um, uh, some of the other main characters. Some of the other main characters I'm forgetting about. Uh, Koopa. There, it's a very it's it draws on like medieval it's it's very game game of thrones like story wise a lot of betrayal a lot of close family ties uh for some reason a lot of nudity i don't know why but there is nudity um 
but the action, the, the gameplay is like what you've always wanted, Johnny, where it is like straight up just like Devil May Cry. Like you're hitting, you're up in their face, whacking them in the face with your sword or whatever. Like it, it feels tangible. It's not just like, like you know, turn-based or whatever. Uh, the story, the cinematic, oh my god, the boss battles. The boss battles in Final Fantasy Sixteen are some of the best boss battles. The kaiju-looking stuff? Yeah, across all video games. Like really like epic cinematic moments that even feel like when you're when you're, there's like a part like where like you have to like mash a button and like kind of just like overpower the other kaiju creature you're fighting like it's just if you're like you're like mashing for your life it feels like in middle Solid Four like when you're mashing so that snake can crawl through that microwave yeah, i'm like oh my like, oh my god like i'm mashing for today's sip it right? sounds like n64 with the, the yeah but it's a, yeah so you're just you're just tapping the button over and over but like some of those boss battles are the most impressive things i've ever seen in video games and i I don't think I'll, I'll ever see boss battles as good as those again because it's just they're just very like touchstone cultural moments in the game when they have when they when I, when it's you know you versus it's Ifrit versus whatever like became with a Bahamut or whatever you're fighting and it's like holy crap like it's like it's like Godzilla versus Kong basically but like taking it to an extra level because you both have like elemental powers and laser beams and crap and it's just it's freaking sick man and even like the last boss battle like the last boss battle is intense it's like a multi-stage freaking like endurance test and like it's just incredible the storytelling like i said it's very game of thronesy uh it's very tragic too i don't want to spoil the whole game but like it, it it gets really really dark and really depressing in some points and it's just a masterpiece in storytelling and combat. The combat is, you know, the, the guy who did Devil May Cry is like the combat director for this game. And it just oozes quality. You can tell it was very expensive to make. And it's, it's just, I would go further than saying that it's not just a game. It's an experience. So I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. That was my number three. So you're number two, Johnny. All right. My number two is actually Mass Effect. What? That didn't even come out this year. I played it this year. That doesn't... Uh, okay. I played it this year. I don't think you understand how Game of the Year works, but all right. Oh, I wasn't going for Game of the Year. I was saying, when I started this, I was going for personal best game of this year. Not Game all of the right. Year. You know what? That's on me. That's on me. I should have explained it better. That's on me. Okay. Okay. So, Mass Effect. I've already told you about this. I already spoke about this on the pod. Uh, the whole trilogy, three games... Uh, it took me some time to beat, but it's the remaster. I made different decisions because, as you know, you make a decision in one, carries through to two and three. Right. I'm pretty content with the decisions I made. Like, I made choices, and I'm like, man, I don't know if this was the right thing. But after, like, weeks later, months later, actually, mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, that, that makes the most sense. Like, I chose, um, like, at the very end, you get to choose uh, control, destroy, and then... Uh, synthesize and like synthesizes combining with the machines con- destroys to destroying the machines and then controlling them so I was like fuck cannon is probably going to be destroyed <laughs> but then I chose synthesis and then I chose synthesis because I'm like damn if the next, ma- next mass effect comes out just working on it we know it's going to come out synthesis the impl- implications might mean so much more unless they canonize something they're probably so, going to choose one cannon maybe but continuity but if they let us choose, uh, I don't know. Synthesis is more interesting because it's like, wait a minute. If I'm type, if if I'm half and half, it means I might get half like biotic and then half digitalized powers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, fuck. If I'm stuck with that choice, I'm okay. But what does it mean if I'm like at a destroy? You know, 
It means like I fucking killed all the synthetics. Like, where's the story gonna go there? So there's that. I had to kill Morden, uh, but Morden died off screen, so there's a chance he might appear later. So I'm like, okay, like, that's hey, the best there's choice. No, there's no body. Yeah. So I'm like, that was the the right choice. I saved the Krogans, the Queen. Now they can breed. I killed the Rachni Queen. Uh, I'm very content about. So are you choosing all three, or are you choosing the first one? What do you mean? You said it's Mass trilogy. Effect. So you're choosing the trilogy it's as a legendary edition. That doesn't count. Yeah, that's fine. I just feel like that's a, like a loophole. But all right, you're choosing three games as your number two. Yeah. All right. That's okay. All right, let's go with your one. Uh, no, my number two. Oh yeah. My number two, of course, is Starfield, because I absolutely adore Starfield. Starfield, of course, I'm a big fan of Bethesda games. Oh my god. And you're probably wondering why didn't I put Final Fantasy 16 over Starfield? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Starfield is a it's an experience and i know i already said that about fantasy 16 i know i know the top three is always like hard it's always the stuff at the bottom that's easier to sort it, 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 it any of these top three can fluctuate honestly i feel almost like i like if you if we recorded a different day like i feel like this order could have been different but starfield is up there with fantasy 16 it's up there with my number one it's an experience man you're going you're traveling across the galaxy and you're like in your little warp drive and then you show up and there's like this massive planet that shows up in your viewport, right? The massive planet has like an asteroid belt, has ring, has rings on it. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go land on that planet. You go and land on that planet and then you encounter like this weird alien rocky terrain. And then like from there, you have this massive map to explore. There could be like ancient ruins. There could just be uh, like but like life which is like like different life forms like spiders or like little like gerbils or something or it could be nothing it could just be an inhospitable planet that's like way too hot for anything to live and like your suit will take damage if it's like too hot or too cold or too acidic or something like it, it's it's a game where people are still finding new things like i was on the on, i was on the subreddit for starfield earlier today and someone's like hey there's this massive oil platform on this empty planet, but like it's full of like the hardest enemies in the game. Like it's extremely hard. And then I saw people going there and like, oh, like yeah, I got my ass kicked there. Like I went to this oil, pl- like I went to that specific planet and like yeah, like that one dungeon, not a dungeon, I guess it's a dungeon, but that one oil platform has like some of the most fierce like enemies in the game and stuff. And like it's like that shared community of like, oh, go check out this place. Like you can build your base here. And all the basic resources you need for life are here. Like, you have water, you have, like, soil, you have, like, the right temperature. Like, it is a game about exploration, ultimately. But it instills in me a sense of awe that I never really felt about space before now. Where, like, like you know how they say that, you know that stupid Star, Star Trek? Where they're like, like, space, the final frontier, right? Because, like, the implication is we've explored all of Earth, right? We know all the land. We know most of the oceans. No, really. We haven't really explored down to the bottom of the oceans, but we know where the ocean is. Like, you know where it is on the map. We know where space is. It, that's Well, that's different, though, Johnny, because we just, we're, like, a small fraction of space. Like, we know space. It's like saying I know where space is at. It's like where I say, like, it's like I said, I know where the White House is, like, from here, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know where it's at. Yeah. Okay, so, but, like... <laughs> There is some, this is, it sucks because I feel like my affection for Starfield is way more based in feelings than it is based on like gameplay or combat. Yeah, I feel the same way, yes. And like, and I'm aware of that, but that doesn't override 
my sense of wonder that I get from the game where explore new planets and like going to Earth and seeing what happened to Earth after everybody left was like so cool. And like, like, um, like the planet thing, how you're saying like, hey, I could go to this planet and that planet, a thousand planets and I found a, a shipwreck over here and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of having a thousand planets, wouldn't it just make sense to have like maybe three planets or one planet? One and then three. instead of like fast traveling and wasting time, you could just go from one place to another and just walk there without like any distractions and be like, "Holy shit!" Next door, there's this and this and that. No, and I, I get could just that. Walk there. No, I get that because I've read that complaint hundreds of times at this point. Yeah, and I don't. I I agree. I don't think it's without merit. I think it makes sense. I think uh, one of the former like directors of the game who like is not with Bethesda anymore was like, like I pushed for them to do just a hundred. He said, like I pushed for them to really just do a hundred instead of like, ended up being over a thousand or something. He's like, I really pushed them to just do a hundred like curated like worlds that we like create curate yourself. But it's like, just a marketing point to say there's. A it is. I know it is. I know it's like wow. It's all like randomly like procedurally generated stuff. I get that. I get that. But like when you're playing the game and you're experiencing it the way they want you to experience it, we're like, it's it's kind of like it it scratches that Star Wars itch for me too. I think where I think of like. Like I'm role playing as this character who's like a like a mercenary or like an explorer or just trying to make a couple credits in this like universe or whatever. And it's like you're exploring and you're finding resources and finding new creatures and like oh now there's like some space raiders that showed up that want to kill you want to take your ship and like there's a lot of like random stuff that just happens too. There's a lot of like random like events like I. I remember one time I showed up in a planet and there's like a guy above orbit who wanted to race me around like this asteroid belt or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And like, I know it's, I know there's a percent chance of that happening. It's like scripted or whatever. Of course, I mean, everything in a video game, almost everything is like pre scripted in a certain way. The way enemies walked, you know, their route or whatever they walk, like that kind of stuff is like scripted, right? But when those weird things happen, or like one time I, I got a message from another ship and it's like, hey, like, have you. Like oh we're trying being trying to contact you about your about your ship's extended warranty and it's like it's like a meme right about real life like yeah. it I know Starfield on a technical level isn't impressive but when you're for when you immerse yourself in that world you allow yourself to be immersed in that world and you experience it the way it wants you to experience it it's something special I think so and then like I haven't even told you about the stuff that happens when you beat the game and like you open a, a new game and like. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, you get to carry... You don't just carry... It. It's been huh? long enough. You carry the prior knowledge of your first playthrough into the next playthrough. Mm-hmm. Your character has prior knowledge of things. He remember he or she remembers the previous playthrough. So, like, on some, some quests, you can completely solve them by just, like, oh, I already know, like, this person did it. Hold on. So, anyways, uh, give me a second real quick. And so that's why Starfield is my number two. Johnny, hit us with your number yeah so unfortunately we already spoke about number one number one is going to be resident evil 4 remake well there you have it amazing game so we can wrap this all up now uh well if you're done with re4 talking about re4 then my number one uh is spider-man 2 yeah also we forgot to open the pod Oh my god, we did it again, didn't we? Yeah. Ah, it, it's too late for that now. Absolutely. It's too late for that now. Anyways, uh, Spider-Man 2 is my number one. That game, from the minute it opens up to the big, giant Sandman fight, which is like the first five minutes, so it's not even a spoiler, to the ending of the game and the implications of what's going to happen to the next one. Like That game is just a roller coaster of 
I, I think so. The Sony Studios have figured out that like this whole like dual protagonist thing, like with like Atreus and Kratos and Joel and Ellie and here with Miles and Peter, like there is something special about that where like you can have two amazing leads at the same time and like the story doesn't suffer for it sort of i mean i don't always like it but it does open them up to do like it's easier to do dlc and then side uh side games you know Mm -hmm. yeah um go um but yeah spider-man 2 and again i could easily swap this one with starfield or with final fantasy 16 uh, the performances of Yuri Lowenthal as as Peter Parker, uh, performance of um, I forget his last name, Naji Naj, um, I can't remember his last name, but it's like Naji who uh, plays a uh, Miles Morales, and uh, the whole suite of like characters of um, freaking like they make they do like the flashback things, they make like the relationship that Harry has with Peter as like believable, where like. To when you eventually, of course, have like that, uh, that heartbreaking kind of like heel turn later on, like it feels like impactful. Um, Peter and Miles like balancing being Spider Men and having to have their social lives, and it starts you see it affecting Peter in his own social life with Mary Jane and everything, and and also Miles with his parent with his mom and his friends. Like it's 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 such a really well well told story. The story writing is great um the boss the few boss ba- the few main i should say the few major boss battles because there's boss battles with like kind of like stronger henchmen kind of stuff you know what i mean but like the main like like what i call like the, the cornerstone bosses like uh venom and craven and sandman and um i almost said the other one that i really liked but that's a spoiler because i don't think most people know about that one but like the other boss b- battles and stuff like they all feel really unique they all have like solutions of course with venom you can imagine you know it's the sound stuff right sound stuff is like his weakness uh the fight with craven's really badass uh sandman of course opening everything about that game and i feel a little redundant because i said this about 16 about Final Fantasy 16 and starfield is that it's it's high quality high quality experiences and it's mostly like what you i feel like what you and i play games for is for those high quality maybe not always cinematic cinematic is great um Diablo 4 has less cinematics than any of the other games, and that's not necessarily why it's lower, but the gameplay loop is what really, you know, draws me in here. Yeah, deep mechanics. Yeah, those mechanics, that 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 addictive, like, gameplay loop. Here in Spider-Man, it's not, it wasn't really the gameplay loop for me. Like, in fact, I think I tried to do most mostly main quests and really didn't pay attention to the side quests unless I had to, to, like, advance enough time in the main storyline where you had to kind of do side stuff to kind of advance the, the, the time cycle or whatever. And even the science stuff was really cool. The stuff with Miles, like uh, helping someone with the science fair project, uh, helping someone kind of cr- like create like a love connection. There's a really sad one that I did with uh, with Peter, where um, he helps out an old man who kind of reminisces about his love life throughout his life. And I was like, damn, like that made me tear up. And I was like, and it wasn't even like a main quest. Like it was, like just the writing in the game is extremely strong. The characters, like obviously the combat is so much better from the previous Spider-Man games combining the stuff from miles morales and the 2018 spider-man like it's just phenomenal like there the game does everything extremely well and i can't say there's a single there is not a single thing that i can really complain about like i really feel like there is not a single negative in that game as compared to the other five games i've mentioned i feel like this one like people kind of say that spider-man 2 didn't win game of the year because it's too safe because it doesn't do anything very like that's dumb. but you get what you're saying right like it doesn't do anything amazing but it does everything like extremely well and there is no 
I there's no drawbacks. I really don't think there's any there's no weaknesses in the structure of the game at all. At all. And so I think even though it's it it doesn't hit the high in my person my in my opinion it doesn't really hit the highs of storytelling like Final Fantasy 16 does. And it doesn't really hit the uh the sense of wonder that I get from Starfield, but it is the of those three, it is the most polished, the most well made, most um just highest production you can really tell this was made with a lot of love and care and a lot of time and insomniac just you know a phenomenal year for them with doing this game and i know that you know with the recent battle that's happened to them i'm not gonna let that take away from the fact that spider-man 2 i think while not being a i would consider like a the benchmark like a like a last of us 2 or a, or a metal gear solid 3 i think it is one of the most well ran, one of the most well rounded games you're probably ever gonna play that has like no drawbacks whatsoever, no weaknesses. So that's that's my number. That's why I'm putting it at number one. Okay, uh, I actually had one thing because you brought up game of the year. You did. I'm backtracking, but you did have a disappointment that we didn't speak about, which was Baldur's Gate that did win game of the wow, year. Wow, you're right. I forgot Baldur's Gate three. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet either. Uh. I, I really wanted to love Baldur's Gate 3, and I think I'm going to give it another fair shot. I think I just wasn't right, maybe in the right headspace, but I feel like that game is very convoluted. There's like a lot of onboarding at the beginning where they don't really explain how all the mechanics work, how the gameplay works. I really want to love that game because apparently everybody loves that game. It, won, it swept the Game Awards. It swept the, joystick, the Golden Joystick Awards. A lot of people putting it as number one. I think IGN put Tears of the Kingdom as their number one. But they said that like Baldur's Gate 3 was like right up there with it. So I feel disappointed. This is like one of those weird situations where I don't really go along with the general consensus about a game. So it feels weird. But also I felt that's also how I am with Starfield, where again I don't go with the general consensus of everybody else because I love Starfield and I know nobody else really does. It got like like low 80s, high 70s, I think, Metacritic wise. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is a weird anomaly for me because on paper I should love it. It's an RPG. It's the original, it's a D&D game, right? It's the D&D birth, the genre. So it's weird. It's not clicking with me, but I think I just need to be in the right mindset and probably maybe need to binge it a little bit and maybe then it'll like give it the time it needs to click with me. So So yeah. All right. So Johnny, look at tallying the points between you and I. Um if we looked at both our point our scores for our, both our games, uh both our lists, the clear obvious winner is of course uh Resident Evil 4 remake. Between both Great. of us. So Resident Evil 4 remake is our combined DualSense podcast game of the year. So congrats to Capcom. Capcom. Capcom for that one. And uh looking forward to their future Resident Evil titles. And they have a big uh Monster Hunter game on the way uh next year. So that That's should be right. exciting. Uh and also let us know what's going on with um uh I forgot the name, Johnny. The game we're both we wanted to see more of. With the girl and the spacesuit guy. Are we talking about Pragmata? Thank you. Let us know what's going on with Pragmata, Capcom. Yeah. So all right, Johnny, do you have any parting words for our audience before we head out for the the rest of the year? Um just happy holidays. Uh glad you guys have been listening. All right. I think, yeah, I think that's succinct enough. I think Johnny kind of wrapped up our sentiment there. Uh, We will see you guys. That's it for us this year. We will see you guys sometime in mid-January. So this should go up Christmas Day, I think, uh, because I'm not going to have time to do it tonight. So, yeah, that will be it for us, and goodbye.